Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. I'm Maria Metzler, the Executive Director of Helpline House. The global pandemic has affected us all differently. If you or your neighbors need food assistance, mental health counseling, rental assistance, or parks and rec vouchers, please reach out. Helpline House can help in many ways. Find us on the web at helplinehouse.org. It's what we do. Neighbor helping neighbor. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. What's good, Podcastville? You found the Bystander Podcast. Happy generic time of day to you. <laughs> Today, my guest is running for, in the North Ward for City Council, Chris Smith. How are you, sir? Thank you. I'm uh, doing just fine, and I appreciate you having me. Awesome. Yeah, I've seen you around on the island a few times, and I'm, I'm glad I get to sit down and have a conversation with you in yeah. a loose forum and not on a Zoom meeting over a minute time. Or, or over a tennis net. Or, yeah, or just reading a political sign in a yard. Um, yeah, why, why is it? Why do people always have the hubbub about the signs littering the world here? Well, it, from my view, and we're not going to be using signs, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a demonstration of climate sensitivity to me. Um, <clears throat> and the other issue uh, I, I think is, you know, it's an island-wide, you know, uh, public that we have to reach out to. And the science strategy uh, is really uh, 40% good at best. Yeah. So with uh, all of the uh, different kinds of ways of reaching out to people electronically, um, I think that uh, – and through the uh, publications like the Review, like talking with you and mm-hmm. others – I think that there's probably a more, you know, 21st century way of reaching uh, the electorate. Right. There's there's a lot of old school ideas that are phasing out. You know, we've seen it in the pandemic. How many businesses are not really viable businesses <clears throat> or, or necessity type uh, businesses? Those exactly. are the first to go. So um, anyway, I'm not saying that we're going to have zero signs. Um, I've got some really smart people still thinking about it. But it's not going to be our number one or number two reach out. Right. Uh, I, I think the big reach out is just to get people to vote in a primary in the first place. Right, right. And, uh, you know, it seems like 
Nationally, we have great turnout on Bainbridge Island. Yes, we do. Local politics, I don't feel the same way. Um, it's difficult to say. I think that if we get people to a ballot, you know, and get them to, to start marking ballots, um, that's pretty much the best we can hope for. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm totally okay with that. You've been on the island for a long time. Almost About 25 years. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the things that you've seen that you just totally disagree with that makes you kind of excited to run for city council? Um, totally disagree is, is a stretch, but there are some things that I see that I wish uh, could have been done differently. And um, excuse me for a moment. Um, it just appeared to us that um, things could be managed a little bit better and a little bit with a little bit more proaction, getting out ahead of issues rather than following behind issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and we've been, my wife and I have, have uh, had a lot to say to each other over the dinner table or a soothing adult beverage about, you know, this traffic circle going in this way and that way, et cetera. So it made sense. <clears throat> Sorry about that. It made sense for us to uh, to look into what it is about uh, city government that, that number one, uh, needs attention and that uh, what I can bring to the table. And uh, it turns out that, that there are some things, I be- ways that I think that I can be a contribution. Awesome. Let's get that mic um, pointing towards your chin so everybody can hear your, hear your thoughts clearly. Thank you. Um, yeah, so what, do you, what type of things would you prioritize on city council if you were elected? Uh, transportation, I think, is, um, is my big issue. And it's my big issue because I believe that with the pandemic and with a whole lot of different pressures that have already been in place prior to the pandemic, uh, population growth is going to impact Bainbridge Island more than it has over the last, say, decade or so. Population has grown on Bainbridge Island about 2% per year for the last 10 years. And um, according to, to some, you know, demographics that I've looked at, I think that's going to increase for a couple of reasons. One is Bainbridge is still Bainbridge and it's got the character that we that we like and that brought us here. But number two, one of the after effects of the pandemic is going to be an untethering of workers to their workplace. With remote work and telework becoming more the norm, people are going to have a lot more locational flexibility. Yeah, and making Bainbridge Agreed. a much more attractive place to uh, to locate. And a uh, case in point is a family member that uh, just moved to Bainbridge. Uh, he works in Issaquah. His wife works in Tacoma. And um, uh, he just bought a house and his young family and put it up. And we, the, the perfect vision is that uh, visiting them a few days ago, uh, we walked into town. Mm-hmm. And got uh, over some trails, you know, some uh, connected trails through a park into the town. Got some ice cream at Cafe Mora. Walked back. Yeah. What a great way to. Uh, that's. A, I mean, just a perfect version of what I hoped. Uh, I'm hoping for. Yeah, I got a got a shout out to John Grintner for all his work that he does on on trails and mapping it, but also to the the city and the parks department. I had no idea that that little Suzuki 
pond was yeah. off 305, the scenic highway on beautiful Bainbridge Island. That trail system there is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And now you can go the STO trail. Of course, you have to cross the highway through the crosswalk there. But then you can, in the future here, get on that trail, go around that pond, go right to a school or to a ferry or whichever direction you want to go. You're you're connected now. And it seems like the trail system on the island is just getting better and better. That The trail infrastructure is great. And I'm and I, I, going to foster that uh, as a member of the council. Uh, getting kids out of school buses and yeah. onto bikes and shoes to get to school, what a great idea. Mm-hmm. What a, just a really nice vision for, for where I'm going. So transportation has become uh, one, of my, one of my big issues. I think it's kind of the number one. And um, multimodal transportation works. Um, uh, so where we can be on bikes and trails instead of on 305. Mm-hmm. Uh, with telework, we can be online instead of on the streets and on the roads. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really uh, kind of very focused on, on that. How do you think we're doing? Because I'm a bicyclist. I showed mm-hmm. you my crash pictures sure. before <laughs> we got on air. Um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. No, that's good. Laugh at my pain so others don't have to. Um you know, there's lots of false sense of security on the roads, uh, vanishing white lines, minimal shoulders. There's been improvements um, to some bike lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the new bike lane off the ferry right down the middle of <laughs> Winslow. That's yeah. kind of confusing, especially if you're from out of town. Right. There's uh, additional bike lane right there by the Grove community and uh, the roundabout. So I'm seeing more, but – being a somewhat somewhat bicycle enthusiast, and and back to your last point, you know, my son rode the school bus one day out of his whole life, and now he's in high school. And he will not have to be in transportation because we live so close to all the schools, and this is a very walkable island. Yes, it is. A lot of the times that he walked to school was on trails through the woods, and you know, way off the road, which is just excellent. But as so many people are biking. It's becoming dangerous around here. It was dangerous for the jogger that unfortunately lost his life over there on Finch Road and and that improvement. I walk a dog out there in the mornings and uh, people are still whipping around that corner where that accident happened, even though there's a bit of a shoulder improvement there. How do you see a solution to the infrastructure to make it uh, multi- Multimodal is the the word word I use. Okay. How how do you see that happening and over what period of time? And how how can you press that issue on council? I'd I'd like to answer that with all the specifics that I would be able to answer it if I had spent a little time on the council. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, fostering something is one of the things that we do on the council and one of the leadership models that I learned a long time ago was to how to be an influencer. Uh, oh, yeah, Instagram, showing those clothes and the Gucci bags. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, long time ago is way before Instagram. Uh, but uh, in my uh, leadership experience that I gained in the military and then afterwards at, uh, uh, during my career at IBM, uh, influencing and teamwork are the ways to get things done. And so the... My sentiments that I have about transportation are not mine alone. Mm-hmm. There are others that have the same view. 
And what we need to do is team up with those uh, that uh, are like-minded, quote-unquote, and actually work to get things done. My belief is that we're, we're kind of letting things get in the way, and we need to overcome things rather than uh, respond to obstacles. Case in point, um, uh, linking up the trails uh, might involve using some easements now that are not used on trails, not mm-hmm. used for trails. Okay, and that involves going to property owners and talking about having a trail behind their property. And that's a sales job. And mm-hmm. we take a look at uh, the Burke Gilman Trail in Seattle as an example. Those property values went up after the Burke Gilman Trail went through because access to neighborhood centers and Winslow increases property value. My view is that if we approach uh, the public with those kinds of considerations, we might get uh, make a little more progress in terms of using the trails and the parks uh, to link up neighborhood centers for bikes, for walking, for the 8 to 80 crowd uh, in terms of uh, having access. You know, being able to get up and walk out to my backyard and get on a bicycle and pedal into um, Rolling Bay and uh, buy some plants and pedal back to my house, that is extremely attractive to me rather than getting into my car and driving, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, going, etc. Well, it seems like the state has set aside a, a bunch of money for infrastructure. And why I bring that up is the ferry has been pushing towards going electric Mm-hmm. And they've had some serious plans, but it seems like those plans may be in doubt now because that infrastructure money seems to be targeted towards a light rail uh, to extend mm-hmm. that from from the airport to uh, Boeing out there in Everett. Do you think that we can fund a better, you know, electric system and electric charging station here on the island for the ferry, and then? Second part of that is how do we look towards the future on you know electric cars in general being on the island and, and recharging stations? I think that we've uh, the electric cars in general, and I hope to be one of them in a few years, uh, is gonna is gonna follow its own path. We already have charging stations on the island, and um, the ones that I've seen, frankly, are in front of the uh, the, the hospital clinic. There's four charging stations there. Yes, one by Walgreens, a couple yeah. on Winslow. Yeah, so it's not it's not real common right now, but it isn't a total totally remote uh, possibility either. So charging stations for vehicles, be they bicycles or cars, uh, f- looking toward the future, I don't think are going to be a, a a roadblock. Pun is intended. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, for electrical electric sorry electric ferries, that's that's a little bit outside my uh, my uh, comfort zone to talk about how to electrify ferries because those are great big giant giant engines that require a whole lot of electricity and mm-hmm. how would could generate on Bainbridge anyway enough electricity to charge a battery operated ferry which I believe is the vision you were talking about. Um, that's a little bit beyond my understanding. Mine too. Hey, so you, you've 
been here for 25 years. You were around with the privatization debate of power and electricity on the island. Mm -hmm. uh, can you bring me up to speed? I know that's been a while. Why people wanted that in the first place? Um, I didn't want it. So um, I, I can't really help a lot at all except that it might have been a measure of parochialism. And uh, because Puget Sound Energy is this great big, you know, thing mm -hmm. over there on the uh, east side, way on the east side, uh, even beyond, my goodness, um, Lake Sammamish <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. So um, – and it seemed like – and occasionally it does – seem like we're the last people to get uh, support when the storms blow through and knock all the power lines down. View being that uh, if we owned or had ownership more proximal to Bainbridge, then uh, somehow there would be less trees and mm -hmm. <laughs> more people to uh, to uh, repair the electrical grid when uh, the storms came through. I didn't see that connection, so I wasn't I wasn't uh, really all for that. Mm -hmm. I, I think too you. Coming from your IBM background and being a strong um, proponent of high-speed communication and, and fiber optic cable yes. on on this, I believe. I don't know if it, I believe it was PS PSE that uh, put in an additional um, station. So yeah, when the yeah. mm -hmm. so when the power goes out in a certain neighborhood, it can't go any further than that substation. Correct, Correct. and that's a great improvement. I've had a street light. I've had a street light taken down. I've had a pole up, new pole put there, all in like the last year. I've had massive amounts of fiber optic cable that's just in a loop on one of these poles now. Right. I would have preferred the light because it just illuminates my house, makes it safer, right? When is that going to come into effect that we can use it? Because my house, having my child in a pandemic situation – me having a studio, talking to people on podcasts, and my wife running Microsoft Teams, you couldn't even get a signal standing next to the modem on, on some times. Yep. Um, can you explain why the, the cable's so slow here and when and if we're actually going to have that high-speed communication? The, uh, uh, the answer to – the short answer to your question is not really. I can't really explain it. I can give you my impression, though, because sure. I have – uh, DSL at my house, which has varying speeds depending on a whole lot of things, uh, one being there's bandwidth and users and the time of day. Um, the, but to get to the, to the heart of the issue, and from my perspective, we have, fiber, we have fiber on the island. The conundrum with fiber is the quote-unquote the last mile. How do we get from the fiber trunk to your house in an economic way? And I think that the economy of bringing fiber into a household uh, is prohibitive. Mm. So my view is that the, the real solution for 5G from the individual in the household, uh, the real solution for high-speed communications for the individual in the household is 5G. That will take care, I believe, of the average household on Bainbridge. The fiber optic cable would go to the institutional users, like putting fiber into our schools, schools. into our emergency services, into our uh, hospitals. So that's where fiber ha finds its niche. 
for you and I, well, for me, you know, uh, I've got a fiber cable that is four blocks from my house. And it would cost, it's prohibitively expensive, two roofs, <laughs> uh, to bring fiber into my house. And I don't need the fiber bandwidth. I can do just fine with the bandwidth that 5G provides. So come to the household through the air. And we'll go to the institutions through 5G trunks. And I think that that will take care of the high-speed communications that I envision. Can you explain to me exactly what 5G means? No. <laughs> I can tell you this, though, with my brand new phone and everything else. It is ridiculously fast. Awesome. It is ridiculously fast. I can sit on the ferry and watch an entire podcast or watch an entire you know, program – Mm-hmm. You know, that would otherwise spend half the ferry boat ride downloading. I can see it in the first 10 minutes just because it, and this is on the ferry 5G with two bars. Mm-hmm. So I will tell you that I, it's my view that one, we need better cell coverage on the island. That, that's been true since I've been right. here. Um, and the other is the cell coverage has to be 5G. So if we do that, then the household that really wants the 5G, needs the 5G, is willing to invest in it, and it's not prohibitively expensive, is able to bring 5G into the household and, um, and, and pair or counter or uh, ally with whatever DSL installation is there. Are you going to be able to get Netflix on 5G? The 5G people say yes. I'm not so sure. I think that the DSL is going to be here for, um, for a while. But it's definitely a, a, a worth considering as a high-speed carrier is bringing 5G and fostering 5G on the island. Okay. Infinity, Comcast, whatever they're called. Yeah. Is there a net neutrality problem where the, no matter if we pay the same amount, have the same speed modem, that they can choose to slow yours down any time of the day or slow mine down? Based on usage? Yes. How is that legal? <laughs> you know, because you're buying a package for high-speed data. Mm-hmm. We're both paying the same price. Mm-hmm. But then I'm not getting full service for what I'm paying. Now, I, answered, I answered your question based on my personal experience. I'm not That's an fine. attorney. Yeah, yeah. Um, but asking how it's legal is the, the flip side of weighing is, is, is it illegal? Is it a right thing to do? That's well, nice that's a different test. question. That's a different question. Yeah, and um, it depends on the intent. Mm. If the intent is to punish the user who doesn't uh, give them eighty dollars a month or a hundred dollars a month worth of worth of downloading things and Services, bandwidth, yeah. uh, and to punish the user who's only given them fifty dollars a month, I have issues with that. I have issues with that. If, there, if the intent is to maintain a, a base level of bandwidth across a wider range of users or whatever it might be, then, I, you know, I've got to I've – I can't oppose that. So based on what I know, and that's the key – that's the key. Is knowing things? Is <laughs> knowing things. That would be my view. And, we, you know, I could sit there and look at the DSL speeds. Mm-hmm. Okay, in my house. And I can watch them fluctuate. And I can almost tell you what time it is by the speed of my DSL. 
It's like the tides, huh? You kind of know that it's going to go out at yeah. a certain time each day. So, so that's my, my opinion of that side of high-speed communications. But the high-speed communication that I'm talking about, indoor schools, hospitals, schools, hospital schools, firemen. EMT, firemen, all those things, not DSL, 5G and fiber. Now, what's your views on the remodeling of the police station? And I know that we're looking back here a little bit uh, on a previous purchase that the city council has made to improve the courthouse and fire or police station. Do you have any viewpoints or thought process I, on that? I've been – a lot of people have given me a lot of opinions about the, the, the fire station. Mm-hmm. I'm really frankly surprised. Police station. Police I'm station. sorry, the police station. Uh, I'm frankly surprised that a hospital um, could be turned into a police station. Uh, I've been in hospitals, sad to say. It's uh, hard to keep a hospital open here on this island. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, well, um, but to the point, um, police stations have a whole lot of different things in there like Cells and bars and and jails and stuff like that that I've never Rooms seen. Rooms to get hospital. to know people, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, or avoid knowing whoever's in there. Um, so I was surprised that a hospital would suffice to being a police station, and I'm told that you know it was twenty million dollars or something like that. I'm not sure the answer or the t- number that um, that we had that could go to a police station. I, I can't put any validity to what I've heard. But um, it just looked to me like it was done uh, based on really sketchy information uh, to take care of this particular individual or that particular individual who had some interests in, in, in selling or working with uh, um, uh, turning the hospital into something different. So we needed a hospital. We needed a police sta- new police station, sure enough. A hospital appeared to be a big enough building um, for that. So uh, it seemed to, once the freight train was on the track, it mm-hmm. was hard to. We needed a new uh, courthouse too. Yeah. I believe the one in Rolling Bay, the lease right. had expired. And they're, yep. yep. what are they, month to month right now? I think there? so, yeah. And theoretically, the courthouse could be part of the police station. Right. That's so, that. Even further back, we have two beautiful fire stations. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen like the Madison station be a combination police and fire, but there's some pushback that they wanted their separate identities. Well, I don't know about the separate identities, but I do know that um, when a when the fire station is called into action, that whole building is doing nothing but fire stuff. Mm-hmm. So trying to put two EMTs together requires a facility that is would be pretty substantial uh, so that they could both operate independently out of the same building. Mm-hmm. And I'm not 100% sure that having them in the same building is, is, is worth that kind of expense or consideration. Um, the other thing is that locating fire stations is a much more strategic kind of a decision than mm-hmm. locating a police station. Yeah. So um, from that perspective, I think that co-location of police and fire might be uh, might not be the optimal solution. Yeah, there's probably some problems with it that I don't see um, as well. Do you believe that the city should, once they move into there, sell that property down by the ferry or maintain that in their own way? 
I think the police, uh, the city should maintain the property. Mm-hmm. There are some, there's, there, it needs, it needs careful consideration as to what can be done with that property uh, yeah. bef- before we sell it off to a developer or whatever. Um, so, uh, off the cuff, answer, the city should maintain the property until we have a good solution that involves a whole lot of different requirements and a, a more broadly based solution rather than just, here's a building, we don't need it anymore, let's get rid of it. Let's, yeah. let's, let's raise the thinking on that. Well, this is, very, in my mind, a, a long-term valuable parcel of land. I agree. I agree. shouldn't take it lightly. So let's talk about some of the things that you you want to champion uh, as a council member. Um, we have a climate action plan in place. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? Uh, what do you like or not dislike about it? And what type of things you would have a sense of urgency towards? Uh, I've had a chance to review the climate action plan, and I am very complimentary of the people that put that together. It is extremely well done and uh, very thorough. And, and well thought out. Now, uh, does that mean everything in the climate action plan uh, we should pull the trigger on? No, but it's, it's a good basic starting point to where we can build on that and move it forward. I think it's something like 110 pages, mm-hmm. um, but it's not just all text. right? <laughs> but uh, it talks about green building, which uh, is something that makes such, so much sense to us. And it talks about... Um, uh, the 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 uh, use of um, you know um, water table support and making sure that we have a good aquifer on the island, things like that that I think are, are fundamental. Take a look at San Juan Island up in the San Juans. They have serious issues with the water table and have for a long time. We don't need to do that. How do you think growth will? Uh impact climate change and the water table and aquifers? If it's done right, there's the if. Uh, it, will, it, will, um, it will not be the load, put it, put it differently, it will not be the load on the environment that if we don't do something right, if we're not ahead of the growth in terms of building up centers, building out um, high-speed communications, getting people online and off the roads, and putting in multimodal transportation, growth will be a bigger problem on Bainbridge than it needs to be. Yes, growth is a problem. We'd all like to be the last person to move here. Mm. Okay, That's just not a reality, so let's do something so that we can respond to growth. Uh, in terms of available housing and in terms of vibrant neighborhoods and in terms of connecting the neighborhoods with multimodal transportation. All right. Um, How do you you see housing coming along here, you know, both affordable and density growth? Are you pro-density areas like your neighborhood, Rolling Bay, or... um, downtown Winslow where the hotel was going or Rolling Bay. I said Rolling Bay, uh, Fletcher Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, areas like that that are semi-zoned for commercial space. We seem to have reached uh, our growth goals for the for the state in, in, on Bainbridge Island here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So we're not required to, but 
there's got to be some sense of growth going forward. Now, does that become affordable housing or does it come become density or a combination of both? Or is it all environmentally, you know, sustainable, carbon-free footprint type places like gro- the grow community areas was trying to do? I don't think carbon – we like to be low carbon. Carbon-free is uh, an imaginary uh, – that's a right. chimera. I need to get that out of my vernacular? Uh, yeah, you're not going to be car- – there's a way to be carbon-free. It involves caskets. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I think having neighborhood uh, centers makes the most sense. If we if we just let um, uh, uh, growth and housing sprawl, you know, um, we'll have a we'll have a Los Angeles, you know, situation where neighborhoods just spread all over. All the trees are gone, and, and there are no. Uh, there are no green spaces for, you know, what is it, Cat Stevens? Wonderful, wonderful teaser in the Fire Cat song. Where will the children play? Yeah, um, I'm, great I'm, reference. Yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a that guy. So that's uh, no sprawl. Go ahead mm-hmm. and have some density, but not overdo it. Is that what I'm hearing? That is correct. Well oh. done. <laughs> Thanks. I'm trying to summarize for the average Joe like me. Um, Please tell me a little bit more about uh, what your vision is and what made you put your uh, hat in the ring. Um, I get asked that question a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I want to know that my politicians are not in some egotistical, single-minded, single-driven agenda. Well, if I were that, I w- it wouldn't have taken me 25 years to do this. Ah. So you can, you can relax on that one. But, awesome. but thank you for, for bringing that up. But um, excuse me for just a moment. Sure, that's why we got the water. As long as we don't spill it on the equipment. Just got the studio back. <laughs> Fair enough. <clears throat> um, but uh, I have s- some experience. I looked at you know uh, I have some experience in both leadership and teamwork. Okay, and those two elements um, both go hand in hand in a city government modeled the way our city government is, which is a relatively weak mayor, comparatively speaking. Mayor, forgive me, I'm not talking about that individual per se. No, you're talking about a city manager running. Correct, exactly. Exactly. What do you call that type of government? Well, a strong mayor, I guess, like what we have in Seattle. Um but we have a not so strong mayor well, in Seattle. That's just now my we're opinion. To get to <laughs> we're getting in the weeds now. <laughs> yeah, um, but the uh, but the, the structure of the uh, of the city is flat. The, the organizational structure of the city is relatively flat, which is uh, which is an environment I'm used to working in. Uh, now uh, you would point to my being a captain in the 82nd Airborne Division and saying the army is not flat; it's a tiered structure, and you're correct. However, uh, in that role, all right, a lot of leadership was about influence. Uh, people tend to think that, that, that officers order people around, and uh, to some extent, yeah, they, they do when they need to. But it is a lot about influence, and those who feel that officers order people around uh, uh, don't really understand the the emergent structure of the military where the senior 
the senior members of the military that have been there for 20 years and 30 years are the ones that run the show. So uh, as uh, my, my role both uh, when I was in Europe in a diversified uh, classified mission in Europe uh, was all about influence because I was working with people that were a whole lot smarter than I was and a whole lot more skilled than I was. And my job was to support them and keep their environment to where they could do what they were doing. Come back to um, to uh, Fort Bragg and the 82nd Airborne Division, um, it, was, it, it was pretty much the same way. I found myself relying on people that had been doing what they were doing for a long time. And um, so my job then was to foster their environment to make them productive. Doesn't sound really army-ish or mm-hmm. or military-ish, but that's really what it was. Uh, it sounds like teamwork, though. Well, that's the, that's the leadership experience or the teamwork experience that I brought forward. Yes, there was times when I needed to exercise my leadership skills uh, and leadership experience, and you know, getting 135 people to voluntarily jump out of an airplane while it's still in flight—that's leadership. <laughs> but. Um, just for the record, you're not going to get me to jump out of an airplane anytime soon. Uh, okay, I'll take that I'm off my risk list. Risk adverse okay, when it comes is, to jumping out of planes. You can ride the bicycle and you're risk adverse. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I am <laughs> risking sorry. everything riding the bike. I'm sorry. I That's funny, to, though. I like that you got a sense of humor. I had to bring that up. I'm sorry. Um, you can bleep that out or whatever. Anyway, um, um, so, the, uh, so the idea is that. This, there's this blend of teamwork and and leadership that um, I, I think I've got I've got a, a sufficient blend of both, knowing when to use one and when to use the other. Uh, I've got some ideas about leadership that, you know, really it all boils down to doing the right thing, mm-hmm. the right way. How do you feel current leadership's doing? They're doing the right thing. Okay. It's the second piece that I hope to bring to the table. We need to do the right thing the right way. Mm. Okay, uh, most of the, for for most part of what I've seen, all the hearts are in the right place. Uh, yes, there's a little palace intrigue here, a little palace intrigue there. That's fine. That's that's you know, put three people together, you've got palace intrigue. Um, Just three. That's all it takes. <laughs> then four. It's group blocking. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Um, but so I don't. I, I think everybody's well intended. Okay. So let's let's. Uh, let, I'm going to start with that premise. And You're going to assume goodwill. Yes, and uh, we'll assume that uh, hopefully, we'll, you know, leaders do the right thing the right way. Uh, so that's that's kind of that's what I want to bring forward is to make sure we're doing it the best way we can. Fiscally, uh, and uh, as well as from a population perspective, um, we're supporting the citizens of Bainbridge in a fiscally responsible manner. How do you, from a leadership perspective, invite more people into the process of making this island the best place it can be? Listening. You still listening, everyone? I hope so. Yes, but somebody has to speak up okay. and say um, – I answered your question. Yes, this is what I'd like to see and this Not is what I wouldn't. hearing, but actually listening. 
and uh, and and focus on who we're listening to and why. Mm-hmm. Um, Not the mirror in the bathroom and right, the echo chamber, and, right? And whoever's and walking like, around behind them and like-minded people. Yep. And so, and I learned that early, early in my IBM career. So um, that's that's. I often short say short answer to your question, but it's the uh, it's it. it it's yeah. the full answer. I often say if I'd, I'd be a much better space right now if I had learned empathy a lot earlier in life. Yeah. Um, true enough. And, um, and I, I agree. We've all, I think, it's one of the things that we gain as we uh, add uh, years to our life is understanding, boy, I sure could have done that differently. Mm-hmm. And then learn from it, actually learn from it rather than uh, tread the same ground twice. Wisdom comes over time. Unfortunately. What is it, the term that we use? I'm a flight instructor, and we have a, a term in, in flying that experience uh, is, uh, is a wonderful teacher. Uh, the trouble is uh, she gives the test before she gives <laughs> the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So there you go. Uh, Chris Smith, North Ward, running for city council. Where can people learn more about you? Um, I've got a, uh, a website coming up uh, soon, and uh, it'll be uh, Chris Smith uh, for BainbridgeIslandCouncil.com. And um, I've got uh, – let me make sure I, I get the, uh, all the information correct here because uh, my account my, – it's still under construction. Gotcha. So uh, my email is csmith for the number four bi council uh, at uh, gmail.com. And the website will be www.chrissmith for bi council.com. Very simple. So um, I look, for, and uh, if you see me walking down the street with a, with a, uh, a uh, lapel um, sticker, um, introduce yourself. Awesome. Do you have any uh, gigs coming up where you're going to be talking? I I do not. I'm reaching out to some some other places, but uh, uh, we're getting our, our our outreach program underway. We're not in the primary, mm. so there's a little bit of runway. We've got a little bit of runway to get the strategy together, get the message together, and continue the Chris Smith listening tour. I love it. Which is uh, which is uh, where I am right now. Well, if you. Uh have anything more to say here in the future, you're welcome to come back on and uh, we can talk about anything that pops up between now and then. I appreciate that very much and I certainly appreciate uh, you allowing me to reach out to you and, and have this conversation. Awesome, Chris. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Bystander. Be kind.